0: Hey everybody, I'm Sandy and I'm a quilter and welcome to episode 87 in which we play with paint sticks and I am recording this on Friday the 13th and in this instance I'm hoping that Friday the 13th brings me good fortune because this is actually the fourth maybe even the fifth time I have recorded this episode. It has been a heck of a week. I recorded part on Monday and then I recorded another part on Tuesday And then on Wednesday, I decided to bag both of those. And then on Thursday, I tried to record again and um, tried twice and actually uploaded the file, but didn't quite pull the trigger on the word publish. And as I thought about it this morning, I decided, no, I really need to just wait and do it (laughs) tonight. Um, So this, this has really been quite the ordeal, getting this episode out for some reason. I can't even really fully explain it. It just it wasn't going to happen. Um, but the the flip side of that is, and part of the reason I did decide this morning that I might as well wait and try one more time tonight, was because I knew I wanted to talk about paint sticks, and I actually spent quite a bit of today playing with paint sticks, and so I decided it would be better to wait until I had actually tested out some more stuff and, and really kind of um, had... Dived in, dove in. Um, <laughs> I've been watching a great courses lecture series on linguistics and um, the history of language as it's developed over the years. And so I'm, uh, the, and linguistics has always been an, an area of interest for me. Words are very, very important to me, but um, I just love linguistics is a lot of fun to learn about. and uh, But watching this has made me even more particularly aware of every word that comes out of my mouth and the forms, verb forms particularly. Uh, but in any case, um, so I spent most of today talking about Shiva paint sticks. So I will be Talking about that, I will give a little bit of a Sandy update, um, but since my Sandy update is primarily playing with paint sticks, those are going to really kind of blend one into the other. I don't actually have a lot of uh, listener feedback to uh, regale you with <laughs> today because everybody's too busy, again, uh, posting their comments in the blog for the giveaway, and I haven't gotten a whole lot of comments on the last episode. Um, So I will, you know, share what I've got, but there's just not a ton there. Um, In any case, I know you're going to come back to me. I know you'll start talking to me again because I've just distracted you with pretty things, which is kind of fun anyway. Um, So Sandy update, I'm actually closing in on the end of my sabbatical. I officially have two weeks left next week and the week after. And those two weeks, actually, I'm going to be on um, vacation. Actually, I guess it's three weeks. I guess it's technically I have three weeks left. I'm sorry, I was just looking at the calendar. If you heard my voice change, my um, calendar is over my right shoulder. Uh, But I technically have three weeks. But on Wednesday, I'm leaving my husband and I are taking our 25th anniversary celebration trip. Our anniversary is not actually until next October. But we decided to take advantage of the fact that I am already on sabbatical so that there was only one of our work schedules that we were trying to work around. And um, we're actually going to be gone two full weeks. And I'll I'll tell you, this is the first time that my husband and I have been on a vacation for two weeks since, uh, probably since we were married. Um, I, I honestly can't think of another vacation. We've had a couple of family vacations that were about 10 days, maybe 11 days, But never two weeks and never just my husband and I. We've always taken weekends away, uh, the two of us together. We've been very careful to make sure we did that regularly while we were raising kids because that's important to a marriage. Uh, But we've never done this, you know, this long extended vacation together. So it's it's really a splurge trip for us to celebrate that 25th mark and really looking forward to it. We leave Wednesday the 18th and we come back on Wednesday, May, whatever that is, 2nd, it looks like. Um, And I'm not going to talk at length about uh, our vacation, but just to let you know, yes, we are going on a river cruise in Europe on the Danube. And um, we're going on the part of Danube that's primarily Austria. We're starting out in Budapest, Hungary for a few days, and then going, we board in Budapest and the cruise is a week, like I think seven days altogether, through Austria with stops in Vienna and Salzburg and, you know, a few other smaller towns and then we disembark and pass out germany which is right over the border but then we're going from there up to prague czech republic and we'll be spending a few days in, in prague as well so it's really um you know kind of a, a once in a lifetime type trip for us we're really looking forward to it and I, yeah i'll be taking boatloads of pictures so to speak haha ha, no pun intended <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Anyway, um, so I will be gone that two weeks. Now, that being said, for those two weeks, my blog posts will still be good. You will still have the giveaways going. I might not be able to do uh, the drawing for the winners of next uh, next week's blog giveaway right that weekend like I normally would, because I really don't know exactly what my internet access is going to be. I mean, we know that we have wireless in a couple of different places, and um, my cell phone supposedly does international as well, but, you know, it can be hugely expensive. So we're just going to be playing that by ear a little bit. If I can do the drawing and announce it over the weekend, I will. Um, but if I can't, you know, and I'll post all this on the blog, I, I might just wait and do the drawings for both when I get home. Um And I can also tell you that, yes, I will have podcasts posting while I'm gone, because I've actually already recorded the next two in the design series with Jay. Yay, boy, are we on top of things now. We are en fuego. So we've got the next two design episodes ready to go. And I'm just going to get those ready and posted and so that they will come up on some sort of schedule while I'm gone. So you won't have much of a chance to miss me, if you would. Um, So that's just giving you a little taste of the future. And when I'm recording this, we are within a few hours of this week's giveaway, the Orophil giveaway being over. So unless you listen to this like the second that it's posted, uh, you're probably already out of luck (laughs) if you haven't um, posted a comment on that to try to get into that giveaway. I hope you have. I've gotten a lot, a lot of comments. So a lot of you are playing the game, which is a lot of fun. next week's giveaway fat quarter shop gift certificates very exciting um so uh, you know on my sabbatical i am now at the point since the last two weeks are really kind of just vacation weeks i'm this has felt to me like it's really my last week of sabbatical proper my last week of the study and the experiences that i've been um that i my intention was to have and it's really been a wonderful time um i yesterday was my last teaching day with the somalian community and that was you know almost heartbreaking (laughs) I really am going to miss them we are trying to find ways that I can stay connected with at least part of the community there are several of the women that want to learn sewing and so we are working on seeing if we can coordinate days and locations for the two groups that I've worked with the Somalian women as well as the women from Burma and have them just all in one big sewing class uh with a woman from my guild actually teaching. I've, I don't know if I talked about this on my last episode. I think I did that a woman from my guild has experience in teaching sewing through um, some inner city sc- uh, after school programs in the past and was really, really excited about the possibility of being able to get into that again. So I'm going to be meeting with her once I'm back from my vacation and we're going to be trying to you know put together the, the scope and sequence, if you will, of how that's going to work. And so I'm really looking forward to putting that together. Um, I will be able to continue working with the the group from Burma, you know, other than when I'm traveling for work, because that group has always met kind of later afternoon so I can get a day of work in and then still go and do that. So that shouldn't be a problem. Um, But it's it's just been really a time of growth for me um, in different ways than I expected. The, the things that the experiences I expected to have were not the experiences I had, but the experiences that I did have were equally, if not more so valuable. You know, I, I was still able to achieve the basic goals of my sabbatical. Um, but the details of how I went about doing that changed. And that's just the way things are. And I know my, my board will be fine with that. I'm just going to have to figure out how do I actually put into words what I have learned and how I've expanded. Um, In terms of my quilt making life, I have been doing a lot of very intentional study of design um, principles of kind of approaches to quilt making. I've been reading some really wonderful books uh, that are, uh, they're process books, I guess is what I'd call them. Um, There's two books in in particular that I really got a lot out of, and they are both... um, written by art quilters and it's about their process. It's There's no patterns. There's very a little bit of technique here and there, but that's not their main point. Their main point is really about here's how I go about designing a quilt. Here's how I make the decisions I make and here's why I make the decisions I make. Here's what I was trying to uh, put out in terms of this quilt. You know, what what was I trying to achieve? What um, did I hope people would take away from viewing this quilt? That kind of thing. And I really got a lot out of both of those books Um, One is Journey of an Art Quilter by Barbara Olson, and I believe this one, pardon me while I thumb through it a little bit. Now, I don't want to say she has patterns. She doesn't really have any patterns in there, um, but she does have very specific step-by-step instructions of how she does it. So you could, this is kind of a a partially a process book, but also a technique book a little bit. Um, It is definitely more process than technique. The other book that I just absolutely fell in love with, unfortunately, I do not have it in front of me to double check some things because I've loaned it to a friend, uh, but it's A Fabric Journey, an Inside Look at the Quilts of Ruth B. McDowell. And again, you know, the Ruth B. McDowell book was even more processed. There really wasn't any, um, you know, technique in there because she has several other books that are the technique books. But her, uh, the Fabric Journey book, is it's a gallery of her quilts and she really walks you through step by step. This is what I was trying to do. This is how I went about doing it. Here's some things that didn't work out the way I wanted to. You know, here's how I had to change them. Really kind of in-depth look and I just ate that stuff up. I really, really loved that. I am, you know, it was after a while I discovered, you know, it's interesting. I don't know and and please send me titles if you are aware of this. I've never seen that same kind of book by a traditional quilt maker. I've never seen a book that really just focuses on, here's my quilts, here's the process of the decision making I went through, here's what I was trying to achieve, here's how I went about achieving it. I've seen little snippets of that here and there in pattern books, but all of the traditional quilt making books I have seen have always been all about the patterns I haven't really seen any or about the technique Let me you know they're either a pattern book or a technique book. I haven't seen any that were really the same kind of a process book that these art quilt um, maker books were these uh, the the books written by art quilters and i I don't buy that that's because traditional quilt makers don't have a process. They they are artists as well. There is an artistic process that's a part of that. I just don't know that that has been as valued, I guess, maybe, or has been seen as something that might be of interest, (laughs) I guess. I don't know what it is. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's hordes of those books out there and I just haven't run across them. So I would be interested. And again, I'm, you know, not just a little bit of process thrown through a pattern book or a little bit of process thrown through a technique book. I mean somebody sitting down with a gallery of their quilts saying, this is what I was trying to achieve with this quilt and this is, you know, the decisions I made and that kind of really in-depth analysis, I guess is the word I'm looking for, an analysis of their own quilt making that would jazz me to no end if I could find that. So if anybody knows <laughs> about a book like that, please, you know, lay it on me. I'd, I'd love to know about it. The um, I also read Transitions Unlocking the Creative Quilter Within by Andrea Belosky. That book is now out of print, but you can still buy it used um, actually quite inexpensively through Amazon. And that book was one that Jay, had, um, Jay of Art Quiltmaker fame had uh, recommended to me, and I really I I did like it a lot. Um, by the time I read it, I have you know I'd already read so many other books about creativity and and unlocking your own creativity that some parts of it probably didn't weren't as effective for me as they may be for somebody that hasn't been quite as steeped in that kind of writing. Um, but it still had a lot of value to it. It's it's very uh, picture light. It's very text heavy. It's an older book it's I think I looked it up earlier it's like 1996 or so um but that doesn't mean there's not still a lot of value in it you're again you're not going to find the quilt patterns in there it is about process it's about how you approach your own quilt making and um in that one she is definitely if i remember again I, I don't have the book in front of me not because i loaned it to somebody but because it's back on my shelf and that's all the way across the room and i don't want to get up and get it um she is, I would say, a tr- more what we would consider a traditional quilter. Uh, so she does apply her creative process to more traditional quilt making methods um, or designs, but it's very much, you know, still it's again how to uh, be confident in your own designs, how to push yourself more in your own designs, how to feel. Um, feel, well, again, it's it's mostly about confidence, how to feel like, yes, this is something you can do and to trust your own process. Um, so again, I did a lot of reading on, in those kinds of areas and got a tremendous amount out of it. And in fact, I feel my own quilt making shifting for a season anyway. Um, I, am a, <laughs> I think of myself as a very fluid quilter. I tend to go kind of from style to style and, you know, will kind of immerse myself in one type of quilt making for a while and then move on. But really i think right now i'm i'm definitely heading more in an art quilt uh trajectory and again that's i still love me a traditional quilt i still love me a modern quilt you know i i haven't met a quilt i don't like um there's it's just kind of where I'm at mentally, and and what really jazzes me to be engaged in the creating of. It's not looking at other people's stuff. I'm I'm digging it all. Uh, for me, it's just kind of what gets my blood pumping when I'm at my cutting table, at my sewing machine, at my design wall. And right now, it's it's much more um, freeform, improvisational, uh, play quilting. Um, a, a friend loaned me the book. Um, I don't remember the whole title. Twelve by twelve. It's the the book on the group, the art quilt group, 12 by 12, and it's them describing their whole process of this ongoing two-year-long challenge that they were engaged in. They've got another challenge, I guess, going on now, Um, but each one of them, you know, talks about the theme that they had chosen for that month and how they went about creating it and and that kind of thing, and I was really thrilled to see one of the uh, art quilt makers in that group said specifically that she her favorite kind of quilting is where she doesn't have a plan. She just kind of starts and sees where it goes. And that's what I've really been discovering the joy of these last few weeks is just starting and seeing where it's going to go. <laughs> the number of times I have been talking about a project I'm involved in and somebody will ask me, Oh, well, what are you going to do about this or that or the other thing? And they want to know what decisions I've made all the way to the bitter end, and I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not there yet. I'm just, you know, I'm making the decision I have to make right now and that's it. And I am just loving that. So that's kind of where I'm, that's where I'm at now. And the the danger, of course, of that sort of improvisational um, organic quilting is you can get yourself into corners. <laughs> you know, you can, you can be going along and then have something happen that you think, dang, I should have done that three steps ago because now I've you know, I I tend not to want to go back and undo things, but you have to kind of figure out how you can creatively work around yourself (laughs) sometimes to to move ahead. Um, And so, yeah, you know, but that's something I think will eventually come with experience that the more improvisational quilting you do, the more you just sort of get the sense of what steps you need to do (laughs) in what order. So you you get yourself into those corners a lot less often. Um, But that's, I mean, that's a whole other story. Maybe someday down the road, I can do a whole other podcast episode about that. But In any case, I've just been having a ball. Um, When I started my sabbatical, I had this kind of list in my head of, okay, I'm going to get all these UFOs done. I don't have a lot of UFOs. I've only really got three or four. And so I had this sense that, okay, I'm going to get those done first, and then I'm going to get this quilt done and that quilt done and this other quilt done. And I had, you know, this kind of roster in my head of what I wanted to produce. And I was looking at, you know, the number of finished products I would have by the end of sabbatical, And to tell the truth, I have gotten none of those done. Well, one, I'm on the verge. I just got one back from the quilter today. Uh, My fortune quilt, the donation quilt, I just got back from the quilter today. So I will be able to definitely get a binding on that and have that done. If not by exactly the end of sabbatical, you know, pretty darn close. Um, I have another quilt that I'm in spitting distance of having done, but then I got stymied, but that's a whole other issue. I got stymied by something that did not get delivered to me when it was supposed to. Again, not going to take time on that now. Um, but the other UFOs are still sitting exactly where they were when I started sabbatical. What I have been doing is a single project that's just been taking that long to evolve. And I don't care. You know, I don't care that I haven't finished this thing. It's it's great. You know, I'm I'm loving the process. And so that's really, if anything in my quilt making has gotten out of sabbatical is that to just sit back and enjoy the process and, and more, let, let the quilt be the guide, you know, just I'm along for the ride. I don't know where that quilt's going to go. I don't know what it's going to be when it grows up. (laughs) I'm just along for the ride. Um, and so that's just been a real, I'm, you know, my blood is just pumping over that. So I'm having a lot of fun with that. Um, so, you know, who knows? I'll, I'm not saying I'll never make another tra- traditional quilt again. I'm positive there are more in my future. And, you know, I've still got these UFOs. I really do want to finish at some point. But uh, right now, that's, I'm just immersing myself, immersing myself in this kind of new world that I've developed for myself. And just, I want to see where it takes me. Um and and that leads, oh, by the way, I will put links to those uh, books in the show notes to this episode. The other one I do want to mention and, and really give kudos to is The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron. Um, you've heard me reference it several times. I am now, you know, what, 10 twelfths of the way done, which is five, six, if you want to do the real math. But I'm in week 10 of a 12-week setup book. And um, I've really gotten a lot out of it. I did not think of myself as a blocked creative because, you know, I've been engaged in creative pursuits. Well, really from the dawn of time, (laughs) the dawn of my time, I guess I should say. Uh, My parents really always encouraged it. I've always done it. I've always encouraged it in my kids. Um, My daughter does it. My son, you know, he's electronics all the way. But in any case, it's, you know, that's, that's just been a part of my life. But there are aspects in which my confidence was not where it could be. And so, you know, she working through that book and reading what she has to say has really kind of helped me think through and kind of put my finger on some of those places and, and really come a long way towards building my confidence. And and part of that is the understanding of where my perfectionism comes in. And I don't want to start a project unless I know I can do it right. And you just got to get over that, you know, <laughs> You just got to be willing to just start and that means you might sometimes have to be willing to throw something out you know if it's just so bad at the end that you just can't even stand it anymore that's fine you have learned what you've needed to learn from that project now fortunately i haven't really thrown anything out yet but um i've certainly had fault starts along the way and had to back up and redo stuff but i'm okay with that because it's all part of that process so i've gotten a lot out of out of her book as well and again all those links will be on the um on the show notes. So let's talk about Shiva paint sticks. And this is part of, this has come out of a little bit my my sense of experimentation and improvisation and just wanting to play. Um, As you know, I bought my first ones at the Mid-Atlantic Quilt Festival in Virginia when I was there in February and very, very, very quickly became addicted and have added vastly to my... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to my library or to my collection, to my, um, I don't know what you would call it, my my bag of paint sticks. Uh, Shiva paint sticks are known as Markel in the UK. If you are one of our UK listeners, Markel, M-A-R-K-A-L, it's the same thing. They are oil paint in solid form, and they're about the size of the big fat crayons that we had in kindergarten, at least I did in my elementary school the really big ones that you have to kind of hold with your whole hand. Um, You can buy them either that size, a full size, or you can get this little really adorable little trial size of them. Um, If you're really not sure you're ready to commit, but you want to play, you can try the little bitties. Ultimately the little bitties would be a lot more expensive in the long run. So, you know, what I would suggest is maybe what I did. I bought three paint sticks to start and I got the three metallic colors. I got silver, gold, and copper. I guess I keep thinking I got bronze, but I actually got a copper color and they're iridescent. So they've got just a, you know, a little bit of a sheen to them. And I thought those were three colors I could use in a lot of applications. And I could, you know, I played with those for a little while, did a lot of different kinds of things, um, but very quickly decided I really wanted to work with some color. So I, you know, <laughs> like I said, I've added significantly. Now, Somebody in my guild asked me the other night, and I couldn't answer it, so I kind of looked it up. They are not oil bars or oil pastels. They are actually chemically different from either of those things. From what I understand with oil bars and oil pastels, you actually need to prime the fabric before you can use them. Um, Paint sticks, you do not. You don't have to do a thing to the fabric. Um, It is recommended that you pre-wash your fabric so that there's no sizing that will uh, interfere with the paint stick's ability to adhere All of my experimentation so far, because I've been working with scraps, it has all been um, fabric that has not been pre-washed, and I've not noticed any particular problem. Now, that being said, since this is all experimental stuff, I have not put it into any garments. I've not put it into actually even any wall hangings yet. I'm, I'm getting to the point where I've got some stuff now I can do that with. So I don't know long term. I don't know, you know, in terms of how it'll adhere once you get into ironing and sewing and all that kind of stuff with it not being prepped. I might find myself, you know, again, in this improvisational mode I'm in. Sometimes I then get myself into a corner later. But right now it doesn't seem to be an issue. Uh, you can also use paint sticks for a lot of applications. You can use them on wood and sneakers and purses and walls, all that kind of stuff. I'm not going to talk about any of that. I'm just focused on fabric. They don't change the hand of the fabric significantly. Um, if you know, the more layers of paint stick paint you put on the fabric, the slightly stiffer it will get. But even in my most heavy paint applications, it really it's. almost a negligible difference. It is not at all like a lot of paints when you use on um, fabric. You know, they get really stiff or even when you're fusing applique, it's not even close. It's still very, very soft. It is permanent. So you can use paint sticks on garments because once it's dry and then you heat set it with an iron or in your dryer, and I'll talk about that a little bit more, you can throw it in the wash, you're fine. It is just not dry cleanable. Okay. So those are all the, the the kind of facts about paint sticks. Um, the, the process is, and I'm going to go through it very quickly first, and then I'm going to tell you some of the things we played with today. So, you know, exactly, you know, a lot of different kinds of things you can do. Um, the paint sticks are also very low maintenance because they form their own seal on the, the end of them. It kind of forms what's called a skin on the paint stick. And once that seal has formed, which it does within you know, probably about 24 hours, um, They they last forever. You can have the same paint stick for like 15, 20 years. They are not going to dry out. Um, Once that skin uh, covers, once the skin forms on the paint stick, it won't even really rub off on anything else. Uh, I do have all of mine in a Ziploc bag, but that's really more convenience than anything. That's so I can just grab the bag and go and I've got them all in one place. I really don't have to. I could just throw them in the bottom of a bin. And they wouldn't really mark up the bin once they were dry. Uh, so it's really, oh no, the other thing is they wash up with soap and water. Most people, you think oil paint, you think turpentine. You do not need turpentine to clean them up. Um, regular soap and water, or uh, like a dishwasher detergent, a palm olive. Um, uh, I have, I've been using a particular cleaner uh, that's from the art supply store that is a, a brush cleaner that's shaped sort of like a uh, you know the old fashioned shaving cream cakes that you put in the bottom of the mug and then you brush the thing that's that's this kind of a cake it's in a little plastic canister um and that works beautifully and it it wasn't all that expensive although at the t- at, right now i can't even remember how much i co- it cost but there's all sorts of brush cleaners you can buy in art supply stores and anything that's labeled for oil paint would work easily but You know, you really can um, even today. Oh, let me backtrack a little bit. I keep referring to today. Let me tell you what today was. Today was a sew day from one of the the guilds that I the one that I've most recently joined where they don't have meetings. They just have sew days. And so this weekend is one and it was today and tomorrow. And today I had to be kind of in and out. I had some other stuff going on. And so my friend Lori who's also in that guild as well, she and I had decided we would play with these paint sticks today and she brought hers um which yes, she bought after I was you know raving about these things and I let her play with mine once and she went out and now she's got she doesn't have quite as many as me but she's getting there pretty fast. Um so we had both agreed to bring all our paint sticks and our you know uh, rubbing plates and all that kind of stuff and we spent the day whenever I was there which Altogether, we were probably about six hours that we just spent playing with these paint sticks on and off. And so we tested out a lot of different methods um, and kind of intentionally tested some different kinds of techniques. And even the the cleaning of it, we tested a couple of techniques because she and I are going to be co-leading a class for our guild in the middle of May during our guild retreat. On paint sticks, so we wanted to you know kind of build up our knowledge reservoir as well as kind of deciding okay, what techniques exactly will we lead this class through so that's what you're going to be hearing through this episode um, now let's see so I was talking about cleaning she had started out she was cleaning the brushes while I was cleaning up our work area there and and she had started out cleaning them just with the dish soap and water. And with the lighter colors I had no problem getting the paint out um, so the ones the brushes that we had used, like with whites and the lighter pinks and the yellows and stuff those came out pretty easily. The darker colors we ended up really having to use that soap that I had bought um, now it could be just that it was more because we had already washed them in one and then we continued washing them in another. It might have just been the length of time you know you just have to keep washing them more and more and more to get those darker colors out but um I, you know, I have to say personally, I will keep using this, this uh, cake of soap thing that I have, uh, the, the special cleanser I have, cause it really works very well off of your hands. It washes just with soap and water very quickly, very easily, not a problem at all. Um, you just have to be careful about your clothes or carpet. So they do suggest when you use it. And, and I did today, I taped, um, I took a plastic garbage bag and taped it with packing tape over our table surface. Where we were working, and then when we were done, I just kind of you know I untaped it and rolled it up and threw it out so that none of those little flakes of paint would get off into the carpet and um we neither of us was particularly worried about what we were wearing <laughs> because it, you know it's casual day at so day, but if you might want to have a smock or an apron or something just to make sure you don't accidentally drag your sleeve through something um so that's kind of the the basic facts about paint sticks; they come in a gazillion colors. And you can get them in iridescent or matte, and iridescent is the kind of color that's got a little bit of a it's not a glitter sparkle it's not like you're suddenly you know bedazzling <laughs> your work it's it's just it's iridescent you know it's got kind of a shimmer to it, and the colors themselves are a little bit more um luminous. And they are also a little less opaque. The The paint itself comes off those paint sticks a little more smoothly and a little more cl- quickly. It's like a softer color to it. Um, the matte are opaque, largely opaque, not entirely, but largely opaque. Um, and they just have that matte finish, the non-shiny finish. Now, you can also get a blender stick. You can get a matte blender stick or you can get an, an iridescent blender stick. The matte blender stick is just a colorless stick that helps you mix colors together or to lighten them down or whatever. Neither of us has a matte blender stick, so we haven't had the opportunity to play with that, so I can't speak to it with any authority. I do have the iridescent blender stick. Um, it has a slight color to it. The matte one, I think I said already, is colorless. The iridescent one, is its I guess they call it a cream color. It's got a slight yellow cast to it, so it will shift whatever color you're using a little bit to the yellow side, but then it gives it that um, the iridescent. So you can use it to make your matte colors an iridescent color if you want to. Uh, so those are kind of the you know the specifics of the paint sticks. Um, so again, how do you the basic of using it is you peel the skin off the outside of the paint stick first. You have to do that before you can use it. So if you get your paint stick right out of the package and you start trying to color with it, nothing's going to happen. You're going to get a very light, if anything, very light color. You have to actually get the skin off the outside of the paint stick first. And there's a couple of ways to do it. You can just take a sharp knife and cut a very, very thin line, you know, just score it kind of, and then peel it off from there. Um, What I do, which is probably slightly less effective. I've I've really got to try the knife thing. Um, I've been using a paper towel which is the other method for doing it. And you take you you wrap a paper towel um, I usually fold it three or four times. So it's, you know, fairly thick. And then I rub the stick with, you know, the tip of the stick, I just rub it under that paper towel several times to kind of build up a little bit of heat and loosen it up. And then with my thumbnail on the outside of that paper towel, I I run a ridge, you know, I I do the same thing. I try to score it a little bit, but my thumbnails on the other side of that um, paper towel, and then I try to peel it off from there. Um, the problem with that is because of the thickness of the paper towel, it's hard to really get a good score in there. And so sometimes it just takes me a while to get any of the skin off. Sometimes I accidentally actually pop the the tip off altogether. But when that happens, it's not a big deal because you can still, you know, then you've got the inside of that broken tip that you can then load your brush with, um, paint. So it's, it's usable paint. So never throw a broken part out. You can always use it. Um, there's a few different ways you can use your paint sticks. You can either color directly onto the fabric with them. You can um, use a variety of, of stencils, of rubbing plates, um, and found objects, and I'll be talking about more of that, about that in a minute, um, or you can use a brush, and you can either load your brush directly from the stick and then you know use the brush on your stencils or whatever, or you can use a palette of some sort, rub the stick on the palette, and then use your brush to, you know, load your brush on the palette. Um, For the most part, I've been loading directly from the brush, but I haven't been doing a lot with trying to blend colors to make a new color. I've been blending colors as I've painted on the fabric. So, like, I will have a red go into an orange, go into a yellow, or dark blues go into lighter blues and greens but I haven't actually tried to mix two colors to make a third color yet. And that's where you'd really need to use the palette. You can, again, palettes, you've got a lot of options too. Um, I've been using a styrofoam plate that I happen to have in my basement and that I tend to use for stuff like this. Uh, That has not worked as well as I would like because I think it's just that the styrofoam surface is too slick so it doesn't get quite enough paint actually off of the paint stick. Um, The two recommendations I've seen, Our parchment paper, you know, the kinds you use in your kitchen, that's supposed to work really well. And I'm going to try that. I've got parchment paper, so I'm going to try that. I forgot to bring it with me this morning to the sew day. Um, Yeah, I pulled it out of the pantry, put it on the kitchen counter, picked up my purse and walked out (laughs) without the parchment paper. Go figure. Anyway, um, the other thing I've seen is that, well, there is also palette paper you can buy at art supply stores. I want to try the parchment paper first. And and if that works fine for me, why would I spend money on palette paper? But there is also palette paper you can buy. And then the other recommendation I saw is just to use masking tape. So what you do is you like, you put pieces of masking tape down on your work surface, you know, all kind of overlapping each other. So you've got this kind of larger square that's entirely masking tape and use that. Um, And yeah, I, I could see where that would work. But I would also think, you know, certainly blue painter's tape, which was what was pictured in the, in the book or where blog or wherever I saw that idea, I thought, well, how would you know what colors you're mixing if you're doing it on blue? You're not going to get a true color. So I didn't quite get that one and even regular masking tape has a little bit of a you know it's got a, a yellowish beigeish cast so again I, you know you're not going to get a true sense of what that color is if you're trying to mix colors so i don't know that i want to try either of those techniques but you know i'm just letting you know those those are another couple of possibilities um they did just say, uh, and I think this was Laura Murray who said this one, and I'll talk more about Laura Murray in a minute, just you can't use copy paper um, or any kind of just regular writing paper or regular paper of any kind because it's too porous. The, it'll just soak the oil paint directly into it, and you won't have any to load from your brush. Um, so what else? Oh, okay, let me talk a little bit. I keep referring to brushes. Stencil brushes, if you're going to use stencils, or if you want to do blending of any kind. Those are really, I've been using stencil brushes probably more than almost any other brush. Well, that's kind of a toss up. Um, because they are good for using with stencils. But then I've also found when I'm working off stencil, when I'm just trying to, I've got kind of large fields of color and I really want to blend them in. Stencil brushes work really well for doing that because they're, you can get them in a larger size. They're really stiff. They're round. You just kind of swirl them, swirl them, swirl them. And they really, they work well to really get that paint adhered. Um, I do also have some regular oil paint brushes that I use. You do have to use brushes that are labeled for oil paint because of course it is oil paint. But you can't use like regular paint brushes, the kind that kind of have the soft tapered tip. They're just not going to hold up to the paint stick. You're not going to be able to load them very well. I have a couple that are kind of longer bristles, a little bit softer. I, I use them for blending once the paint has already been applied to the fabric. They work okay for that. But when I tried to load directly from the brush, it was not as effective. So I mostly use stencil brushes, and then I use the oil paint brushes um, that are the very short ones, like the ones with the kind of blunt tip that have very short bristles. Basically what I did is I went through the the display of all the oil paint brushes in this one art supply store, and I just kept running my thumb over the, the bristles, and if it felt stiff enough to hold up to an oil stick, that was the one. I would buy and I now have several uh, brushes and actually if you're going to use brushes you need a lot of them because you need one dedicated for each color because this is not the kind of thing that you can go wash it off and then use it again they have to be completely totally dry when you're using them with paint sticks so you have to have one brush for every different color you're going to use Um, and so you you will, if you get into this, and if you get into doing a lot with stenciling and blending and a lot of brush work, you will need a lot of brushes. Um, fortunately, you know, brushes aren't all that expensive, really, and they will last you forever. So I would suggest buying a couple and then seeing what you really want to use. Um, if I remember, I'll try to post a picture of my brush collection so you can see which ones I've got. And really today, between the two of us, I used every single brush I had. And I probably, you know, I've got at least 10 at this point, if not more. Um, So again, let's talk about the different kinds of things you can do. You can, of course, do straight drawing and painting. You can just draw it straight on the fabric, um, freehand, make these nice designs. Lori is much better freehand draw artist than I am. She was doing a lot more of that kind of direct application, drawing flowers, drawing leaves, drawing trees, um, so for her it was much more, I don't want to say she was using it like a crayon, but that, that was kind of more of the effect that she was just doing the freehand drawing directly on um, the the fabric. And then sometimes she might go in and blend. She was overlaying a lot of colors. That's the other nice thing about oil sticks is you don't have to wait for one color to dry before you put another color in there. They layer on top of each other nicely or you can blend them in. Um, so there's no waiting. It's a very fast process. So she was doing a lot more of that kind of thing. I was doing more with stencils. And um, I do, I've, and if you follow my blog, you've already seen a picture of the peacock I've been working on. I did finish that today, at least in terms of the paint part of it. Um, Those are store-bought stencils. And you can also make your own freezer paper stencils. And I played with that today and boy, is it fun. (laughs) So you, you create a design in freezer paper, you cut it out and then you press it directly onto your fabric and then you use that as a stencil so what i did um, and again i forgot to take pictures of some of this so i'm gonna have to post this tonight and then maybe get some pictures uploaded tomorrow uh, but i cut kind of i did sort of the snowflake thing so i made myself an eight inch square i think was the size i used and i made sure it was a square of um, freezer paper and then i folded it into quarters or eighths or something And then I I guess it was eights. And then I cut out like you do a snowflake, only I didn't, it wasn't that intricate, but I did do, you know, kind of some branches and stuff off. And then opened it up and I saved both parts. Okay, that this is part of the fun part. Then I used the stencil where I had actually cut the piece out of. So it was the stencil with the hole in it. I used that as a regular stencil. I pressed it down and I used, you know, I colored in that hole. And you can, if you're, careful about the way you're using your stencil, you can reuse that same freezer paper stencil several times over. It'll it'll hear again, you know, I think I've read up to eight times. I haven't tested that theory out, but you can use it several times. Then what I did, so I did one of those, and then I took that inside part that I had cut out, and I pressed that down, and used that. Then I painted the negative space, essentially. And it turned out really, really cool. And again, I'm going to post a picture of what I did. I don't quite know what I'm going to do with those yet. I do want to turn that particular pairing into something. Um, So you can create your own designs in freezer paper and use them that way. Uh, Then you can also use rubbing plates. And rubbing plates are where you put them under the fabric and then you um, adhere the fabric down. You know, you tape everything down so that the fabric really won't shift around a lot while you're... um, using the rubbing plate and then you just use these very short strokes on with your paint stick to burnish out i guess that design um so there's a ton of rubbing plates you can buy and you can even get them like at children at educational supply stores because there's rubbing plates sold for you know elementary school art projects and stuff that are very inexpensive um but you can also use any surface with texture. You just don't want too fine a detail because it might not come out clearly. So at one point Lori and I went out we were the so days at a church and so we went out and wandered around and tried to find leaves and stuff that we could do rubbings of. And uh you just have to make sure they've got enough of a vein, you know, you you rub them between your fingers. If you can't feel any detail in that leaf, it's probably not going to work well as a rubbing. Uh we decided Mid-April was not a good time to try to find leaves (laughs) where we live because they're very, very small. They're just barely coming out yet. Uh, But in another couple of months, we'd be able to do a lot with that. Um, The thing I found that I was actually doing rubbings with, and I do have pictures of this. I went into the kitchen of the church and I went running, you know, I just kind of dug through some drawers to see with permission of the church members that are part of our group, um, just kind of saw what had some texture. And I found these wonderful woven uh, trivets that were woven in a lot of different designs. And so I did some rubbings on each one of those. And, you know, some of them worked better than others, but that was kind of fun, too. So, you know, it makes you look at your world differently. You're looking at for texture. Oh, what does that look like? Uh, And you can use rubber stamps as well as a a rubbing um, surface. Uh, And then I I have heard, by the way, that it doesn't work as well to use the stamp as a stamp to try to load the oil paint onto the stamp and then stamp it. I've not tested that one way or the other, so I can't speak to that, but I did read that somewhere. It didn't really work well to do that. Um, and then one one blog, and I apologize, I did not write down the link, uh, suggested creating rubbing plates by using dimensional paint on cardboard. So they painted some spirals or designs or something on a piece of cardboard, let it completely dry. You know, it's got to be totally 100% dry, so overnight or a couple of days, and then used that as a rubbing surface. So that would be uh, pretty cool to do, too. Um So where do you buy paint sticks? There's several sources. You can, of course, buy them. I've not seen them in too many quilt shops, but there may be certainly quilt shops that have them. Joanne's in my area does not have them. Art supply stores do have them, and we have an art supply store um, in our city that does accept Joann's coupons, which is nice, Joann's and Michael's and A.C. Moore's. Uh, So you may, if you have an art supply store, you might want to ask them if they accept other coupons. Um, The two big website names for paint sticks are cedar canyon textiles and dharma trading company and i'll put these links are all on my um, show notes for this episode and then another place you might want to check is laura murray designs and i don't know that i have that link on my um, show notes but you can just look up laura murray it's m-u-r-r-a-y the resources that i have um the two that I've been using the most to kind of give me ideas for using paint sticks is the book paint sticks on fabric. And this is published by Cedar Canyon textiles. You can get it at either Cedar Canyon or Amazon. And I have the link on my website on my show notes. Um, And then also Laura Murray's paint stick inspirations, shading, stenciling, rubbing techniques, and more DVD, which is also available through Cedar Canyon textiles or Amazon. Um, That one's about an hour and some minutes. And I really liked that. I I hadn't bought it. Laura Murray was the vendor where I first bought paint sticks and she was actually in her booth at the time. And she was the one that showed me, you know, I actually got a one-on-one demo because nobody else happened to be there at the time. So she showed me some tips and tricks for using them. And she's the one that first got me hooked. And I hadn't bought the video to begin with because I thought, well, this seems like something I can figure out for myself. And then I went on YouTube and I saw some videos and there is, Laura Murray has a video on YouTube. That's also linked, I think, with the Dharma Trading Company. I think they have it on their website as well. And, you know, me and handheld cameras, the... the video made me want to throw up that little five minute video on YouTube by minute one and a half. I was ready to run from the room Um, because it was a handheld video camera and whoever was running her camera kept zooming in and zooming out and zooming in and zooming out and walking back and forth and just, you know, Oh, it was a miserable experience for somebody with, with motion sickness. And so I, I really, at that point, I really debated buying the DVD because I thought, is it going to be that, you know, is that just a snippet from this DVD? It's not. I, I, am here to assure you it is not. They used a tripod <laughs> when they made the DVD. And having already read the book and having already watched a lot of uh, videos on YouTube, I, st- I will say this DVD is absolutely worth it because I got a lot more information from that DVD and several more ideas um, that then we put to the test today. So I really do recommend Paint Stick Inspirations. And again, links are on the show notes. Another book that, uh, there's two more books that are really good um, that aren't specific to paint sticks, but if you're into the whole world of surface embellishment, they're both very good books to have. One is Fabric Art Workshop, Exploring Techniques and Materials for Fabric Artists and Quilters by Susan Stein. And if I recall, um, I'm sorry, I don't have it in front of me. It's again across the room on my bookshelf. That does have uh, paint sticks in it. The other book does not have paint sticks in it, but it's it's just a great book, and that's the next one I'm going to start playing with. It's uh, Jane, and I, I don't know that I ever pronounce her name right, Davila's, D-A-V-I-L-A. Jane Davila's Surface Design Essentials is the name of the book, and it's, let's see, Surface, this one I do have in front of me because I was just looking at it. Um, surface Design and sec- Essentials Explore Paints, Mediums, Inks, and Pencils, 15 Techniques for Fabrics and More. Again, it does not have paint sticks in it but it has a lot of other things and it's really straightforward it really easy directions to follow it makes me feel like i can pick up the stuff and immediately start creating it's a really really excellent book um, if you want just some quick ideas uh, cedar canyon and Darmer trading company and laura murray's website they all have tutorials and ideas and suggestions so you can just kind of get a feel for what they do Um, When we were playing today, again, Lori mostly did direct drawing right on her um, fabric. I did, um, oh, I'm sorry, she also did a lot of rubbings. She, we, like I said, we went out and we found some leaves and she did more with the, the rubbings. And what she did, which was really cool, is she did some rubbings with some of the, I guess it was ivy leaves that we had found. And she did some rubbings and then she kind of created then she drew in flowers from there. So it was partly rubbings, partly freehand drawing. It was really cool stuff. Um, Mine were much more, well, I finished my peacock stencils and then I went in and I made my own freezer paper stencils. So I played a lot with that. I did some rubbings as well. Like I said, I I rubbed with the trivets I found. Um, I did a little bit with the leaves, but not as much. And then what else did I do? Oh, I did a torn edge thing. And this was, I think this was on Laura Murray's DVD, where you just rip a piece of paper and then you use that as the edge. You run your um, your paint stick or your brush, either that. Um, I did both and I liked it better when I did my brush, but I was kind of into that whole blending thing at that point. You rub that off the edge of the torn edge and it kind of gives this really cool translucent mountain range kind of effect. It was really wild. I, I love it. And especially because I was doing it, I had a black solid that I was a scrap that I was playing with. And I was using these really bright colors. It was, that was funky. I want to play with that one more. Um So, we, you know, we tested a lot of different techniques and we just had a great time. I've left them all um, at the church overnight because we're going back tomorrow to dry. And then um, I'm going to try to start putting some of them into actual projects so that again, when we do this class, you know, it's one thing to say, Oh, yeah, this is a kind of fun thing. But then it's like, well, then what do you do with it? So I want to kind of get to that what do you do with that point. Um, so again, I, I really do. Uh, if you like to color, you know, if, if you're a fan of coloring books, and I, I realized, oh, at one point, I was just kind of I was getting tired at the end of the day, but we were having conversation, and I didn't want to quite leave yet. So I just started painting in um, some of the leaves, I had a piece of boutique fabric in front of me again, a scrap that I'd been doing some other stuff with. And I just moved it over to this empty space. And I just started painting in some of the design using different colors. So the the batik was kind of, very purpley a little bit of beige in there a little bit, but it, mostly purples and blues. And so I took there was one leaf kind of design on there. So I went in with some green um, iridescent and just started kind of painting in that leaf a little bit with the green iridescent. and Man, that looked cool. And then there were some kind of flower designs on the side of it. And so I used pink iridescent in there and did it very lightly. So it wasn't like a, this big pink thing it was just this kind of hint of pink but it just made it glow oh that was so much fun and and so we were talking about this is a great thing to do with that fabric that you think's kind of ugly you can then play with it or you know and, and maybe turn it into something then that you really like or with in this case with the batik, it was not ugly it's a gorgeous fabric you can enhance it in different ways so you can oh man <laughs> i'm getting all jazzed about it again possibilities are endless you know Lori walked out of the day saying i gotta go buy some more of these you know <laughs> really, it's very addictive. I will give you that warning. It just had a great time. And like I said, I, I took some pictures today. I will make sure I take more pictures tomorrow and go back and kind of photo document the whole thing. And then I'll post them um, probably to my blog because my blog takes photos better than uh, the, the show notes do. Um, so check that out. So that's, that's paint sticks. That's what my experience has been. I like them. I want everybody to have them. So go buy some. <laughs> and no, this is not a paid announcement i should I should call Shiva and say, "Hey, I just did a major promo for your stuff um okay i'm i'm I've gone long because I was talking about paint sticks, and I find them very exciting uh and oh, by the way, this whole episode is in honor of a j Nitty AJ asked me for this episode. So AJ, hopefully I answered all your questions. Uh, she tweeted that um, seeing the pictures of what I was doing and hearing me talk rave about these um, paint sticks before she was thinking about going out and getting some. And, and I said, well, or she asked me some questions and I said, well, you know, gee, I'm starting to hear a podcast episode. And she said, yeah, that'd be great. So this one is for you, AJ. It's got your name all over it. I don't know if you already own your paint sticks. Hopefully you do. Now you will. <laughs> I can guarantee you after hearing this episode, you are going to be going out and buying them. Um, so for another couple of hours, that Aurifil dry drawing is still going on. But if you're listening to this sometime after, about an hour after I post it, uh, you will have kind of missed out on that chance. I'm looking forward to drawing the seven winners. I've never had so many winners of one drawing. And next week, again, I mentioned that Fat Quarter Shop. And the week after that, I'm still working out some of the details. So you will see that one when you see it. And again, even though I'm going to be gone, all of that stuff will still be rolling along through the wonders of technology. So keep an eye on the blog. So that's it for this episode. Um, I am going to be holding on to the listener feedback until I get home, because hopefully by then maybe I'll have a little more listener feedback. Although, like I said, I keep distracting you with promises of gifts and things. Um, anyway, you know how to get a hold of me. You can email me at sandyquilts at gmail.com. Sandy with a Y, quilts with a Z. You can follow my blog. You can find me on Twitter and Pinterest and Goodreads. Uh, you can like the Quilting for the Rest of Us group on Facebook. You can join the Flickr group. And yes, we now have a Quilting for the Rest of Us group on Seamed Up. Um, you can also friend me on Seamed Up. I'm pretty much Sandy Quilts everywhere I am. Sandy with a Y, quilts with a Z. If you see a Sandy Quilts, ask if it's me. I think they're all me, but there might be another Sandy Quilt, Sandy with a Y, Quilts with a Z out there on a website that I wasn't able to get the name first. So just check that out. You can also join the Quilting for the Rest of Us Kiva team, and I'm sure other things that I'm missing. So you will find links for all of that and more fun, including. You know your quilter when? Don't forget that that's up there. You can find that page on the show notes this episode and post your own answer to You Know Your Quilter When. There are links for all of that at www.quiltingfortherestofus.com. And until the next time, after I come back from my vacation, in fact, go get your quilting on. Quilting for the Rest of Us is dedicated to Shirley. Love you, Mom.